Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. So we're going to Mark chapter 8 now, and we're going to record the miracle in which he feeds 4,000. Not five, four. We read about the 5,000, and we taught about that about three weeks ago. Today we're talking about how he fed 4,000. So Mark chapter 8, verse 1. Y'all got it? All right, here we go. About this time, another great crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home now without feeding them, they will faint along the road for some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples said this, how are we supposed to find enough food for them here in the wilderness? How many loaves of bread do you have? That's what Jesus asked his disciples. Seven, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down to the ground. Then he took the seven loaves. He thanked God for them. He broke them into pieces and he gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were also found. So Jesus blessed these and told the disciples to pass those out. They all ate until they were full. And when the scraps were picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day and he sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat and with his disciples and they crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. All right, y'all ready? We're going to talk on this thought today, something better, something better. Would y'all do me a favor? Let's pray together and let's dive into our word. But before we do, let's just take a moment and ask God to speak to us through his word. Father, we thank you for this day and we are so grateful for this moment we have now to just dive into your word. I pray that in this place and wherever people are watching from that you would speak, that, that your spirit, Lord God, would come and bring life to them. That this word, Lord Jesus, would not just be something that they hear, but something that they apply, God, and that they live out in their lives. So we pray for open hearts, open minds and spirits that are willing to receive your word. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name, we say, amen. amen. All right, something better. And I wanna just take a moment and shout out all the young adults that are in the room. Come on, young adults, let's make some noise. We got our young adults in the room here today. So um, something better. Letting go of stuff is not easy for some people. How many ever met somebody that was a hoarder? You know anyone that's a hoarder? Okay, maybe you're the hoarder, all right? <laughs> There's even shows called Hoarders, right? And we're fascinated about the things that people refuse to let go of. And, and some people are like, and again, maybe you're here in this place and you're like, that's me, Pastor. I don't like to let go of stuff. I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I don't have any problem letting go of things. Now, I'm not necessarily a minimalist, okay? I'm not that guy with only two shirts. I like stuff, okay? But, but I don't like to hoard stuff. That, that's not who I am. So I don't have a problem letting go of stuff. Now, now there's other things that you could potentially hold on to? What about letting go of feelings? Or how about letting go of emotions or letting go of hurt? 
Come on, maybe maybe you you're, you have an easy time letting go of stuff, but feelings, you're like, no, nah, I don't I don't let go of that stuff. All right, uh, that stuff that I hang on to, that stuff that that I, I I keep with me. I am a reservoir of emotions. Is there anyone in this room that would be honest and say I have a hard time letting that stuff go? Go, come on, where are all the petty people in the room? <laughs> Look at my hands up, okay. Not because I was encouraging you to raise your hand, but I am admitting I have a hard time with this. I'm, I'm that guy where if you burn me, I'm going to remember that. Okay? Five, six years later, I'm going to come for you. So, so I, I uh, and, and Jesus is not done with me yet. I just say that, okay? He's still healing my heart. I'm kidding. But, but I, I, I'm one of those people where I can let go of stuff, but I have actually a hard time letting go of that. And, and, and that's just another way of letting go. It's not all stuff. Sometimes it's feelings, it's emotions, it's hurt, it's pain. We carry it with us because we don't like to let go of that stuff. Now, now in the church, I've realized that the church has a hard time letting go of stuff as well. You see, I'm old enough to grow up um, in the church where a lot of the stuff that we got in the church today, I mean, it was a big no-no back in the day. If you think about it, the lights, the haze, the volume of the music. I grew up in a church where all of that was just sin, right? Sin that's no good, that can't be of God. And don't even get me started on the clothes, right? So, so I grew up in that environment where well, we had a hard time letting go. We're like, we're not going to involve with the tithes. This, this is the word of God. And the type of church I grew up in, we went and we found like a verse in the Old Testament had no, no real application, but we would go and take that verse and we say, no, we're going to hold the line. And I'm not saying that to pick on the church, but what I'm saying is that the church has a hard time of letting go. We, things set in, they become traditions, and we're like, we like our sacred cows. We don't want to let them go. So you can let go of stuff. Let go of emotions, let go of traditions. You get where I'm going with this? Some of you may not be on one of those things, but if I come up right up your alley, you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I have a hard time letting go of that stuff. Now, again, I say all that not because I want to pick on the church. That's not my point at all. Because if we read in the text, this is a 2,000-year-old problem. It's in there 2,000 years. So, so I'm not banging on the church that I grew up in. I'm not banging on that at all. I'm just saying that we have a hard time letting go of stuff. So, so, so let's dig into what they had a hard time letting go of, okay? So we opened up our reading, seeing that Jesus fed a large crowd of people for the second time. He did this once. He fed 5,000. The Bible says now he's feeding 4,000. And very, there's a lot of things in here that are the same. So in the first story, he fed people with bread and with fish. Y'all remember that? He had five loaves, two fish. Now, we don't know how many loaves and fish that he had for this miracle, but we read that he did it again. In the first story, they had... 12 baskets left over. And in this story, they had seven baskets left over. So he did it again. At the end of the first story, he sent everyone away. Do you remember that? He sends the crowd away. He's like, all right, y'all got to go home. All right. Like, just go leave me in peace. I have to pray. He does the exact same thing in this story. Once he's done, it says, all right, now go home. And he gets in this boat with his disciples and they go to the other side of the lake and they go over to a place called Dalmanutha. And this is where the story really gets going because when he gets there, the Pharisees are waiting for him. Do y'all know who the Pharisees are? They were a, a, a very strict religious sect within the Jews, within Judaism. And they were waiting there for Jesus on the other side. And, and I didn't read this to you, but here's what happens after that miracle. When he gets to the other side, the Pharisees stop him and they say this, give us a miraculous sign from heaven to prove yourself. 
Now we've got some climax, right? It's, start, it's starting to build. They're saying, we want to see you do a miracle. We, we heard you did it again. You just fed 4,000. So, so do a miracle for us, Jesus. That's what the Pharisees said. And here's Jesus' response. He says, why do you, you people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I assure you, I will not give this generation any such sign. So Jesus like claps back as quick as you can. He was just quick with it. He's like, no, y'all want a miracle? I'm not giving you a miracle. Y'all want me to do a magic show for you? I'm not going to do any of that. So why did Jesus deal with them that way? And why did he deal with the 4,000 differently? Here's the reason I believe so. Let's dig into it. There are two parts to this statement because Jesus tells them this. He says to them first, why do you people? And then he goes on to say that this generation will not see what he has to do. He says, you people and this generation, you people and this generation, what he is talking about was the religious attitude that these Pharisees had. Now, here's the first thing that I want you to write down for those of you that are taking notes. Jesus has a problem with religious attitudes. Jesus has a problem with religious attitudes. If you're wondering, well, what is it? Well, a religious attitude is living faith in a dead thing. When you've got faith in something that is dead, a religious attitude is holding on to something that is old, something that we've moved away from. So it's old traditions and old systems, watch this, that make you believe that you have to behave in order to get God. It's an old mindset that teaches you have to behave in order for God to love you. You have to do right in order to receive God. You have to do the right things so that God will love you more. Now, now that's an old religious attitude because there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. I've got three boys of my own, Jaden, Jude, and Jackson. And uh, there is nothing that they can do to make me love them more. I love them. I'm crazy about them. They're my boys. And even when they drive me crazy, and as much as I want to discipline them and, uh, and, and apply that verse, spare not the rod, <laughs> nothing that they're going to do is going to make me love them more. They are my children. And, and there is this, this belief that if I do better, I can make him love me more. That's a religious attitude. If I look better, I can make him love me more. If I refrain from certain things, I can make him love me more. But I can tell you as a father that on your best day, he loves you. And on your worst day, he loves you. When you're doing right, he loves you. When you're doing wrong, he still loves you. And in a religious attitude, it tries to tell you that you can earn his love. If I can somehow behave in a certain way, I can make God love me. But here's the problem with that thinking. If you could make God love you, then he's not in charge. You're in charge. If you could make him love you, he's no longer sovereign because you're in charge. You have the ability to manipulate him into loving you. It's crazy when you look at it that way, right? But that's the type of old system of thinking that we can get to. Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor Josh, how did you get all of that from that little statement there? Well, the answer is, is that the Pharisees were trying to test God. Test God, yeah. They, they, they were trying to test him. And, and we do the same thing when we start treating things and stuff as God's approval on our life. 
when you begin to treat the things going right in your life as a sign of God's approval, when you begin to start treating stuff as a sign of God's approval, you're actually starting to test God. You're starting to test him because this is what you're saying internally. Let's see if I can earn good things in my life by behaving a certain way. Catch that? Let's see if I can earn it. If I can just behave, if I can be a good boy, if I can be a good girl, I can behave in such a way that God is gonna give me more. That's testing God. That's actually testing God. When you say, God, I want you to answer my prayers that are more about what I want than what you want, that is testing God. That is testing God. And, and not only is it testing God, but it's not the gospel. It's not good news. You, you can't test God and say, this is the good news. This is actually a false hope and calling it good news. And listen, I, I grew up, you know, my mom played this trick on me. And you might have heard me tell this story before. But my mom, she had me so convinced. Because again, I grew up in the old church. We're going to the movies, man. That was like sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, and God forbid. My mom would tell me this. What's going to happen if God comes back again and you're in the theater? Like, straight to hell you go. I'm like, I could be watching Bambi, mom. No, straight to hell you go. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, 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 and I grew up really thinking that, thinking that, that this little decision could cause me to lose it all. And God would stop loving me and he would judge me and he would condemn me and, and, and I, could call, I could bring the wrath of God on my life. But if you follow that train of thinking out, it's this, if I do this, then God will love me. If I do this, then God will love me. So let me ask you, is that gospel? Because that doesn't feel like good news. If the gospel is good news, but we've got to manipulate our way into being loved, is that the gospel? I mean, think about if your children had to manipulate, I'm sorry, for those that are married in the room, I got a lot of young adults, but I got a few married folks in the room, for those of you watching online, all right? For all the parents now, could you imagine if your kids had to manipulate you into loving them? That's broken, that's, that's, that's backwards. And yet many of us approach Jesus in the exact same way. And, you know, I, I believe that Jesus did away with this system when he went to the cross. I believe that Jesus did away with this old way of thinking on the cross. I believe that that's the reason why he said it is finished on the cross. He said that old way of thinking, that old religious attitude, I'm done with that. I believe that Jesus had a problem with this. And this is why he rebuked people that tested him this way. He rebuked people that were constantly trying to test him. That's why he said, you people, you want a sign. And I will not give this generation a sign. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So let me answer the question that I first asked. So if he wouldn't do it for the Pharisees, why did he do it for the 4,000? Why did he do the miracle for the 4,000 people that were there with him? I, I, I find my answer to that question in verse 2 of the passage we read earlier. Jesus said this, and watch what he says. I feel sorry for these people. In other translations, it, it, will, it, it talks about how Jesus is moved with compassion. He's moved by love, okay? So when he says, I'm sorry for these people, it's not pitiful. It's, it's a, out of response out of love. I am so moved by love for these people. Here's a kicker. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. Here's a second point. Jesus is moved by people who just want him. These people have been here with me. 
Okay, think about that for a second. Jesus looked out at a crowd of 4,000 people and he saw 4,000 people who were hanging on every word that he said. The Bible says for three days they didn't leave because they just wanted to be in his presence. For three days after they had eaten everything that they had and, and Jesus is about done and he's getting ready to send them away, they just wanted to be close to him. And, and I believe that's where the answer is because there's a big contrast for someone that wants to be, there's, there's, there's a big conf, contrast for someone that just wants him and for those that want something from him. There's a difference when you just want him or when you want something from him. And it's a religious attitude that doesn't want him. We just want something from him. We, we, we really aren't in love with him. We're more in love with the things he could do for us. He's just this great big genie up in the clouds. And if I behave a certain way, he'll give me stuff. And if I pray a certain way, he'll give me stuff. And, and, and this is why we don't chase things. And this is why we don't say, our father which art in heaven, you know, <laughs> my will be done. It's your will be done. It's this exchange of I'm going to surrender my will for your will. Because when you are saying your will, you're saying I want you more than I want things that I would like for myself. And that's a hard prayer to pray. Have you ever had to, did you ever have, to, have you ever had to pray from a place of a posture? Have you ever had to pray from a place where you're like, oh, I really want this, but your will be done. It's not easy. Some of us actually don't even make that prayer. Preacher said to name it and claim it. So I'm naming it and claiming it. But what if that's not what God wants for you? What if that's not what he has for you? That's why he has got to be the reward. All righty, catch this. He is the reward of our pursuit, not the things that we can get from him. And the religious people, what were they doing? Give us a sign, give us a sign, give us a sign. What were the 4,000 people doing? I'm not leaving because as long as he's talking, I just want to be here. I don't need him to do anything. I'm going to stay right here because I just want to be with him. I'm reminded of a conversation that I had with someone who was getting ready to be baptized. And I'm saying this because we're getting ready to have baptisms on Sunday, which is today at the time that you are watching this recording. If you're watching it on the day that it's released, we have baptisms today. If you're watching three years later, it was a lit day. Okay. It was incredible. All right. But I'm reminded of this story of someone that I was talking to, they were getting ready to get baptized. And they said to me, so what should I stop doing now that I'm getting baptized? It's a good question. And I appreciate the sincerity and I appreciate the candor of it all. And I said, you know, rather than me give you a list of what you shouldn't do, why don't we talk about things you should do? Why don't you start every single day and have a conversation with him? Let's start there. Let's start every single day, have a conversation with him. How about let's get you on a plan where you're reading your Bible. Let's get you into your Bible. And if that's complicated, um, get a Bible that's easy to read or get a book that might be able to supplement Bible stories for you. How about there? And, and how about we get you having nonstop communication with God throughout the day, AKA prayer, all right? Uh, you don't gotta go lock yourself in the bathroom and speak in tongues and shout, all right? It can be just as simple as before you have a meal, pray. Before you start your workday, pray. When you're getting ready to get on the road, say a little prayer. Just this non-stop communication. Do you guys follow what I'm saying? I shared with them, it's not so much about what you stopped doing. Why don't we start with doing? Why, why, don't, why don't we just start with getting connected to the Father? Here's the reason why. Because you become like that person amongst the 4,000 in the crowd. You're hanging on every word of Jesus. You're, you're putting him at the center of 
of your day. Because I believe if you get that right, you're going to get a lot of decisions right. You're, you're not going to make good decisions by simply putting together a list of things you are going to stop doing from this day forward. I, I, I believe that the changes in your life are an overflow of the good stuff that you're putting in. Uh, that's where the changes come from. It's, it's, not a, it's not a saved from, but you get into a saved to. I'm not just saved from bad things, but I'm saved to good works. I'm saved to do good things. And I'm not saying to be religious about it all. That's not it at all. Just be real about it. Just, just, just be real about it all. Because here's the danger of an old mindset. Here's the danger if you can't get rid of that old mindset. You ready to write this down? You can't receive what's new if you can't let go of what's old. You can't receive what's new if you cannot let go of what's old. Here's what happens. Let me finish the story. Jesus like tells the Pharisees, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the magic trick for you. So he gets in the boat and he leaves. And as he leaves and they start going back to the other side of the lake, Guess what happens? The disciples got hungry. They must have got hangry because it was like written about, you know? Like imagine how hungry they must have gotten for the disciple to say, I need to write this down. You know what I mean? But, but they got hungry. And uh, they, the Bible says that they looked amongst themselves and they had one loaf of bread. And the 12 of them were probably thinking like, yo, there's one loaf of bread. There is uh, 13 of us. And they're probably looking at Peter because he's like the spokesperson, right? They're probably looking at, him at Peter like, yo, ask Jesus to do the thing with the bread again. <laughs> and Peter's probably like, I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> you saw what he just did to the Pharisees. I'm not saying anything, right? So there's a little internal dialogue. And, 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 and because he's God in the flesh and he knows their minds and he knows what they're seeking, he, he cuts right through the noise and he says, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. That's what he tells them. Be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, in order to understand that reference, because you're thinking like, why is he talking about yeast? Is it because of the bread? No, no. What Jesus was saying is that yeast is old fermented dough that you sprinkle into bread in the baking process. But here's the application. It's old dough. Okay? Yeast represents the old religious model that prioritizes what I do over what he has done. It's prioritizing what I do over what he's done. That this is the old religious mindset. If I do good, I get good. But, but, but Jesus isn't interested in any of that. He's like, look, whether you do good or you do bad, you're still going to get me because I love you. For God so loved the world. And, and, and so in this moment, Jesus noticed, look, they just had one little encounter with the Pharisee. And he's like, be careful now. That attitude's starting to wear off on you guys. And, and it's crazy. And this is why you got to be careful about the voices that you allow to speak into your life. I mean, these disciples have been with Jesus. I'm thinking about a year and a half, maybe two years into his ministry. And just one little experience with the, with the Pharisees left them messed up. Be careful who your circle is. Be careful who you're letting speak into your life. Can I get a good amen on that? That's not part of my message. That's a little side note, okay? That's a little tip right there. Because it was just one little experience and Jesus was like, oh, be careful now. Y'all starting to talk like them. You're starting to think like them. Now, now when he said that, the scriptures record that the disciples didn't know what he was talking about. They're like, why is he talking about yeast? I mean, we're not baking anything. We're just hungry. We're hangry, okay? Like, who's talking about yeast? So then Jesus does what Jesus always does and he answers their question 
with a question. Y'all know he's like the greatest at that, right? They would always ask him a question. He'd answer their question with a question. So he says to them, how many baskets were left over when I fed the 5,000? They replied, 12. And then he asked them, and how many baskets were left over when I fed the 4,000? And they said, seven. And then he, Jesus says this to them, do you understand even yet? And that's the last thing he says to them. Let me modernize that. Don't you get it? Don't, don't you get it? And I didn't get it, so I'm like, I want to get it. Why, why, why 12 baskets and why seven baskets? Well, if, if, you, if you understand there's symbolism in numbers, 12 represents God's power and authority. When there were 12 baskets left over, it was symbolic of God's power and God's authority. Now, seven represents completion and perfection completion and perfection. So the 12 and the seven baskets, they're not just a coincidence, but they represent Jesus establishing his authority here on earth. And with that, it is complete and it is perfect. Let me say it another way. There is nothing that you can do to add to what God has already done. Okay. Catch that. I said one more time. There's nothing you can do to add to what God has already done. He doesn't need your help. Catch that? He, he, he's sovereign. If he needed you to do something to help him, God doesn't need help. Otherwise, he would not be God. So you can't take what he did and make it better. It's perfect and it is complete. It is done. And that is the good news. Let me say that again. That's the good news. And I'm going to come to a close. Now, come on, let's give God some praise for the good news. That's good news. That's good news. Because I hate for anyone to make a decision about following Jesus to do it out of fear. Can, can I be honest and transparent with y'all? I was 11 years old when I got baptized. And a big reason was fear. I was just so afraid. What are you afraid of, Pastor? I was afraid of going to hell. Because the church that I grew up in, I just felt like I was going to hell because they said, this is going to send you to hell. This is going to send you to hell. This is going to send you to hell. I was like, man, I, I can't. There ain't no way I'm going to make it. And guys, I was 11. But I was so convinced that I was on my way to hell. I mean, um, parents that are watching online, think about your 11-year-old. I mean, I have a 10-year-old and he's innocent. And this boy, I'm thinking, what, what would motivate my son to think? And, just, and, and he's going to be my son's going to be 11 in just a few months. Like if he said, dad, I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell. I'd sit him down and I'd correct him. I said, no son. <laughs> and I had this long conversation with him. But, but so much of that was a decision made out of fear. Now, I thank God that I made the decision because I do think that going forward, it kept me from a lot of things. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm baptized. I can't be doing that. I'm not about that life. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I can't do any of that. But, but it was a decision based off of fear and, 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 Fear is actually casted out when you get into the presence of love. So if fear was present, then it wasn't a decision made out of love. And what I want for you all is to realize just how much he loves you. Just how much he's crazy about you. Just how much he's paid the price for you. Just how much you matter. And I say that because the religious people came to him with this old religious model. He's like, no, 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 fam. I got something better for you. He didn't say fam. Okay, that's my insertion, all right? But Jesus is like, no, no, no. That, 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 that's the old ways. And I have got something better for you. 
I've got a way of life that is good news. That on your best day, I love you. On your worst day, I love you. When you do right, I love you. When you do wrong, I love you. I'm still here for you. There's nothing you can do that can cause you, that can cause me to stop loving you. That's not the good news. Does he applaud your poor decisions? Absolutely not. But he doesn't stop loving you. He doesn't stop reaching out to you. He doesn't take his presence from you. He won't take his spirit away from you. He's not going to take his ball and leave and say, you don't get to play with me anymore. As a matter of fact, when you are at your lowest, that's usually when he comes closest. When you need him the most, that's when he comes running to you. Because you're his son, you're his daughter. He loves you more than you know. He loves you more than you know. As I mentioned earlier today, later on, we're going to be having baptisms today. We're so excited because there's so many people in our faith community, Lighthouse Church, that have made a decision to follow Jesus and make a public declaration to follow him. Can we applaud all the people that are getting baptized later today? And if you're watching online right now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ into your life. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that's how we're going to close out our time today. Giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life. And here's what I'd like you to do. As soon as you make that decision, if you're making that decision for the very first time, go run to your pastor, whether it's me or someone else. If you're tuning in from another church, go back to whoever the pastor is in your life and you tell them, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I want to take my next step because your next step then is get baptized in Jesus' name. That's the washing away. I call it the great reset. I was having a conversation with someone earlier. He said, Pastor, I'm thinking about getting baptized, but I don't know if I'm ready. So what makes you think you're not ready? He said, well, I haven't stopped doing this and I haven't stopped doing this. And guess what? Baptism is a great reset. It's God's gift to us to stop doing those things. It's God's gift to us to, to run after him once again. She said, well, when you put it like that, I'm in. If you put it that way, I thought I had to earn it. Don't like, you can't earn anything. You can't earn it. I thought I had to get my life together. If you can get your life together without God, then you wouldn't need him. So, so let's, let's do this. And she's one of the ones getting baptized today. I'm so excited. But listen, Jesus wants to take away your old life and give you something better. That's why we call today's message something better. He wants to take away your old thinking and give you something better. He wants to take away a religious mindset and give you something better. He wants to take away the pain that you're living with and give you something better. He wants to take away the fear and the anxiety and the depression, and he wants to give you something better. Would you make that decision today to receive him right there where you're at? Let's pray it. Everyone in the room, let's just pray right now. And if you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus, if this is the first time you've ever prayed this prayer, if this is a prayer that you're saying to come back to him, I want you to pray this prayer with me at home. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I thank you, God, because on that, on that cross, you declared that it is finished. And I receive right now the forgiveness of sins that you made available to me. I receive right now salvation, God, because you made it available to me. I receive your love, Lord God, and I receive the forgiveness and the washing away of sins. And today, Lord, I put my faith in you. Today is the day that I put my trust in you. I am making a decision today and from this day forward to follow you. There's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows, but through it all, I choose you. I choose your plan for my life. And and I submit my life to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.